creativity, fun. Oh my gosh, these things are possible in business. Yeah, they are. Come and join us on Uplift today. We've got our special guest, Deirdre Ames. Uplift, uplifting conversations that set your heart on fire. Hi, my name is Sarah Wayne. I'm a social media coach, art therapist, amazing human, and I'm happy to be co-hosting here today with another amazing human, best-selling author, and so many more things. Mr. Neil Russell's joining us from Canada. G'day. Hello and welcome. I'm really excited because I don't know, but I think our guest today is trying to feed us some cockamamie bullcrap stuff saying that you can have fun what? in business <laughs> is this a Mr. Nova for some perhaps maybe not for others so what an introduction did you Amy's we've got you joining us for a Queensland it's a pleasure to have you oh tell us all the things that we should know about you all the things all the that things. is a big ask I know, um, right? Thank you for having me. I like already, this is fun. Um, and it is not a bullshit story. You absolutely can have fun and make money and have a sustainable business. Who knew? I didn't. So you're actually a real person. You're not like a cartoon. You're not from some other planet. Mm -hmm. In human terms on earth, this is a possibility and you don't have to be stuck doing boring things? No. It's, I mean, crazy, right? Um, that's what I think we've all been led to believe, this concept of professional. And I always put do air quotes around professional because it, ugh, yuck. It's just garbage, really. We need to throw that in the bin and rewrite the rules so that we can just live life on our terms and make all the money that we want and have a blast doing it. So let's just do that, shall we? End of show. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Guys, if you are watching this live or in replay, we want to know what your experiences are. Is business boring or is it actually fun and sustainable? We'd love to know. And if you've got any questions, please feel free to add them in the chat box and we'll answer them live. Hey, Neil, business is boring, right? That, that's, been, that's a thing, isn't it? I don't know. I uh, wherever I go, I chaos follows or fun follows. So I don't know. But if you troll the internet and go onto the internet, there are some businesses that don't want to have any kind of fun because of the air quote professionalism. Yeah, and they seem to be all over LinkedIn saying, "Oh, that's not suitable for here. You shouldn't be saying that." <laughs> And uh, no, we can say that. We can do that. We can have a whole load of fun. So who's got this rule book and who made it up? Deirdre, do you have the rule book? Have you changed it? Is there being like an entry change or what's going on here? Oh, I threw it out. <laughs> when I left corporate, I, so I spent 25 years working in corporate in various government departments, often in legal type areas. Like okay. I actually worked for the New Zealand police for 11 years in the prosecution office. So that was actually fun, believe it or not. But there's a whole bunch of rules that you got to play by. And that doesn't apply in your own business. We really need to let go of that persona, that way of thinking when we start our own business, or even if it's a small business environment, like a family owned business, can we just not be all stiff and boring and formal about things? And just 
change the way things are and bring more of your personality into everything you do. So stop using formal language in social media posts and just t- write like you talk. It's human. Oh, what? exactly. Right. <laughs> we can all be humans because guess what? Humans buy from humans. Oh, that's a thing. Yeah. So you're that's not a thing. bot. We're not bots and we don't have to talk like bots. Is that where the fun comes in? Absolutely. And funny thing about fun, people see me talking about fun and they think I must be one of these real loud, extroverted, like, ah, kind of people. No, I'm not. It's fun on your terms. You can just do what whatever feels right for you and that's where the whole personality side of it comes in um it's really important to just be you and I've always I've had this thing in the in my head for years of be more you and so that's what I brought into the workplace um yeah just how how can you have more fun and one of those super boring workplaces that I government agencies that I did work for I would walk in the door in the mornings and go it's very quiet in here like everybody was head down not talking and so I started walking and going good morning and all the heads would pop up over the cubicles and they'd go oh 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 my goodness but you know what you do that a few days in a row and after a week everybody starts to go oh good morning and then they get louder and then they start to try and beat you at the game to keep an eye out for you. And they are saying hello and and the vibe shifts. So even if you do work in a boring work environment, you can make it fun. Oh, but when I've it comes to you, to, yeah, sorry, Sarah. I was gonna say recently I've I've been attending a lot of medical appointments and they can be so boring. The best place I went to was of all places an imaging place and they just were having fun, fun behind the desk, fun in the different rooms. The environment made that feeling change significantly. And I think that that's transferable depending on, doesn't matter what your environment is. Like, just like you were saying, if you're in a cubicle, you can go, hey, have fun. It's, it's, it's those transferable things, that human contact that people really connect with, right? Yeah, and I think that's what's been suppressed for far too long Mm. over the years and we just need to bring that back and to say, no more, no, we're not doing that anymore. We are not a bunch of old-timey blokes sitting around (laughs) writing rules. We're here to enjoy life and whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're in a job, whether you're in your own business, you've got to be having fun and so that's what I get my clients to focus on is what actually makes your work feel fun. Let's do more of that. And how can we make money from it? Absolutely. Are there any Sorry. In the provincial government, which is the state government to uh, Australia and the United States, I renamed coffee breaks to team bonding and i I invited people to team bonding and the only rule that was initiated was you could not talk about work that was the (laughs) only rule that's a tough one because what else do you talk about absolutely and that's where I think when we're in order to have fun, we have to get to know people and get and be comfortable enough to release our inhibitions. Maybe not a whole bunch, and we're not doing the strip tease at the office, but release our inhibitions a little bit so that we can actually smile and crack a joke or an appropriate one. <laughs> Always appropriate, <laughs> maybe on the edge. But yes, gotta let's laugh and smile and, and just play. I just I just want everyone to play. It's not that hard, is it? 
And how good is play? Like research is showing the benefits of play are really significant for not only your body but your brain and, and ongoing for days. Guys, have you been playing lately? Like what have you been playing? What fun have you been having? I had a lot of fun on the weekend getting creative and uh, it's really sparked my Shabbat of Eve again. You know, I, if I had, had I not been so connected to myself and just gone mindfully and adding bits of cardboard and glue together and having fun in that moment, I don't know that I would be in this happy, shiny mood that I am today. So what fun are you having outside of work that you can also bring into work? That's the secret sauce, isn't it? Mm. So, so you don't happen to have that recipe, do you, for the secret sauce? Uh, no, because it's highly individual. It all depends on your personality, what you love to do, and basically what lights your fire and and makes that joy just show up everywhere. And that's what it's why it's really important to bring it into the business setting as well, because we don't, what's that saying? You don't want to work to live or live to work. I can't remember which way around it is, but we really need to be just like work funds, the fun stuff. We should be making fun money in whatever it is that we're doing, which includes making a profit. We're not just slaving away, making the minimum. And like I said, it, it's all a, a, an alignment of so many different factors, including your personality and what you love to do and who you love to work with. Who do you serve? Because if those people are just, ugh, then what are we doing it for? Neil and I talked about that before we started here. And, like, if it's not fun, why are we doing it? And just for the legal ramifications, we're not making fun money. So the treasury branches, the boards, don't. No, 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 no. But we want it's, to have fun making money. Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's call that um, legal fun money. <laughs> Absolutely. So there's hundreds, thousands of studies to say that it, it, productivity goes up when you're enjoying what you're doing. Productivity increases um, your health, the work health benefits. I mean, the workplace environment is far better once you're having fun. So I would encourage you. Find out what makes it fun and, and bring it into your work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what are the things that you can get lost in? Like I love writing, whether it's writing social media posts or website copy, which sounds really weird, but because Boring. I'm infusing... <laughs> I know, Snorefest, right? Um, but because I'm infusing my personality into it, it just is fun. That's a great way for me to express myself is through words. I'm not so good with artistic stuff because I would rather just copy something. So words, I can get lost in that for hours. Like I, I even I just had my mother-in-law here for a few days and I said, look, I'm just going to pop into my office and do a couple of things. And four <laughs> hours went by. Not that she, I mean, she didn't mind. She was happy to just chill out and read a book or whatever. But it was just, I was like, oh, wow. I actually didn't realize so much time went by. So, yeah, it's figure out what you, are, you will get completely absorbed in. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. You're just in the zone. That's a beautiful place to be. Really Absolutely. is. I know that um, coming back to me on the weekend, you know, we've spoken before about, um, you know, you can use different things in different ways. I don't know about you, but I've seen cardboard boxes before. Has anyone else seen a cardboard box? And, mm -hmm. and maybe a, a child playing more with the cardboard box than the toy or whatever was inside. Like, yeah. How good is it that our imaginations can turn it into a, an aeroplane or a racing car or, or whatever? And I think 
you know, if we can translate this fun that we used to have as kids and bring it into the now, like what a beautiful space and place to be in, right? And the inspiration that can come from it is brilliant. As an art therapist, like having that, that diversity and and you know like the other day i was gluing pieces of cardboard together and i created this fairy house well sorry i should say this um this fairy's library for my daughter so just having a little bit of cardboard and it was flat before you know and bits of the paper and i made little notes for her my daughter came home and she was absolutely thrilled to pieces and we spent many many hours doing it together now the reason i'm mentioning it is because as i said i'm an art therapist so that is both my business but it's also my pleasure mm-hmm. and i've recognized that in myself that is business and pleasure and i've separated the two you mentioned did you before about you know having the the finding your business is there a way to is there a boundary that you would recommend that we stick to or a guideline or are we throwing out those rule books too? <laughs> it's not a hard line as such. Like I love that you you mentioned imagination because that's one of our human superpowers along with intuition and a few other things. Imagination is absolutely magic. Um, so there's no hard lines. It's all very blurry. In fact, let's just put a bit of glitter on there and and sprinkle some fairy dust and all sorts of other things. And, like, how can I say this the best way? Just do what feels right. You've got to decide what works for you in your business. So I swear a lot in my personal life, but I don't so much... (laughs) when I'm talking to people, I'll be guided by them. So if they start swearing, I'm like, cool, we can swear. But that's actually not part of my brand. That's not part of the persona that I show on social media because it's not a road that I want to go down. But it's not to say that I don't. So you you get to decide the rules around that. And you get to decide the the way that you present yourself like how the clothes you wear of course that's your choice you can choose to wear formal things I'm more of a yoga pants t-shirts and jeans kind of a person these days versus if you saw a picture of me from let's say 2015 it would be almost unrecognizable because I look like the corporate princess that's what I call it, with the the heels and the the long dark hair and everything. So I threw that rule book out. There is nothing to say that you have to look and behave a certain way. It's completely up to you. But you really should be guided by how you want people to see you. So I've mentioned personality a few times. I use money personalities which is about your relationship with money and also brand personalities. So there's a whole science behind it, but basically my brand personality is playful and fun and innocent and simple. It's me in a nutshell, but it also helps me define how I'm going to present myself to the world. It's like it gives you permission to be a certain way to so neil you would probably be quite similar to me in the brand archetypes brand personalities given that you you love to bring fun into things Uh, yeah and i guess so how do we find out our brand archetype that is i funny thing you should say that i have a quiz for that um, I think I've given you the, the the link for the money archetypes. There it is. The money archetypes quiz, which will tell you which one are you. And there are eight money archetypes. So this one is about the your relationship with money. There are some similarities between these and the brand ones. So when I look at 
the traits of my, so I'm a connector, ruler, accumulator are my top three. There's a lot of similarities between that and my brand personality as well. So if we, if, if people want to take the quiz, they can scan that QR code just to make it super easy or check out that URL, which is my name, my not very easy to spell name um, on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> And that will take you to the quiz and it'll take eight to 10 minutes. Sometimes it's only five minutes. If you just follow your instincts, it's always the first question is your first answer is the best answer. And that'll give you the results and tell you which money personality you are. And I, I really like to put a lot of focus on the money personalities because we have a longer relationship with money than with any other person or thing on the planet. If you think about it, we're born into a financial situation and it is with us right through until we die. So it's kind of important to make it a good one, a fun one. And... <laughs> No, just just a little, because it sort of makes the world go round. Damn so it! Without even knowing what they are, I read the list and I'm going, "Good God, I've got to be the maverick." <laughs> <laughs> well, it does this sound a little bit like you? Uh, the maverick is the risk taker, the one that will go all in on an opportunity because there's a a potential big win. Is that your kind of way you spend uh -huh. money? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of middle of the road for me. Um, so there's an element of risk in me. Sarah, what did you, I don't know if you've taken my quiz before, but um, I've yet to take the quiz, but I'm looking forward to, to giving it a go. I'm guessing yeah. that I'm a nurturer. I've come from a group of people who've told me if you've got things of value to give you should give them away and i know oh, that you've got a lot to say on this subject and i'm curious neil you've probably been around people like this too so if you are used to giving things away what is something that we can do to change and to help ourselves to help more people whilst also nurturing ourselves well, you've probably got an element of alchemist in you as well, given that you like the multicolored hair and your artistic tendencies in there as well. So an alchemist and nurturer is absolutely just going to give things away because you've got to. That We've been raised that to believe that you can't make money being creative. Mm. Mm -mm. I think people get told that around year four, you know, that uh, you've been playing and creative all your life. Now it's time to put that down because it's not going to make you any money. So all those things that you spend all that time and energy on, just ignore that mm -hmm. and work on the boring stuff that you're going to need for the rest of your life. Exactly. So getting back to that archetype, how can you, how, how are we, how, how is it possible to, to shift? You work on it, basically. You <laughs> you got to do the work if you want to change it. So all of the archetypes have helpful traits and unhelpful traits. There's good and bad things about all of them, and there is no one archetype that is better than the other. So we're an equal opportunity personality type thing here. Uh so I'm a, a connector. My helpful traits are things like I'm great at building relationships. I'm great at making, I make friends with everyone, everywhere I go. It doesn't matter what the situation is. I will find something in common to talk about with people, to put them at ease and think she's all right. Um, but one of my unhelpful traits is it's all too hard. It's too hard to charge people for the work that I do because everyone's my friend or everyone becomes my friend. So there's that saying, you don't, you don't mix friends in business. Hmm. That's a big deal. Uh, for a nurturer, let's, let's assume that you're a nurturer. 
boundaries are your friend. And I, I find myself saying that a lot, um, especially with uh, any pretty much any conversation I have with people and they say, oh, yeah, I was just giving this away and I don't, but then I feel really a bit awkward about it. And I'm like, yeah, no, your boundaries are your friend. No is a complete sentence. So when somebody I love says, you already. <laughs> I love you even more. <laughs> it's quite, no, full stop, done. I've actually I'm had to, like, hand over my mouth or sit on my hands if I'm typing a message to someone to prevent myself from going, it's okay, you can join for free. No, you can't join for free. You can't. I'm, I'm not giving that away. It's just, it's crazy. So is that something that you do, Sarah? It's something that I've been known to do and it's something that many of my clients have also been known to do and it's interesting uh, how and why people work on different things and, and what they're moving through and, and often their money story that comes through. Mm-hmm. So, Neil, I'm wondering then if, it, well, if with Neil's archetype, you mentioned like the pros and cons of a couple of others. With Neil's archetype, what are the pros and cons here? So if Neil's a maverick, he's, like I said, he's the risk taker. The pro is that there are can be huge wins for taking those risks and generally really good with complex like financial situations. My husband's got Maverick in his top three and he works in logistics. So he's working with stock numbers and moving things all over the place within multiple warehouses. And he's like, yeah, it's no big deal. I'm like, no, that's too complex for me. Um, But the unhelpful side of the Mavericks is that you can build something very successfully and quickly to a great level and then you get bored of it because the challenge is gone and you want to just chuck it out and start again. You want to burn that down and and just go all in on something new. So, the, yeah. <laughs> We've got a new business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just chuck out everything. <laughs> a new <again>. book. Maybe. <laughs> is I take a swallow. Maybe we should work with brands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's funny when when you start to dive into this sort of stuff and people go, oh, it's like you're in my head. How do you know this? Are you what are you like watching my thoughts? No, it's it's all the psychology of behaviors and how people interact and and it's just sort of been collated into these things called archetypes, which have actually been around for Forever. And Neil, as a writer, you would know that because, like, you they're the characters in your book. You start yes. with an archetype. Yep. Absolutely. And I love that we, we uh, where, and um, where is the brand archetype? The brand archetypes? I will have to point you toward to that link, um, get you to share it later because I, um, I haven't got that handy. But the okay. brand archetype. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. I should have pulled that one up as well. Um, uh, but like as, as far as brand goes, I'm an alchemist innocent. Those are my top two archetypes. And there's also the jester, which is the playful. Yeah, that is quite possibly you. Um, <laughs> there's a an explorer, a humanitarian, the hero, the um the sage which is the knowledge seeker so yeah no <laughs> we don't want that yes every man the creator there is there yeah, there's a lot a lot a lot and i love that you pointed out that they there is quite a few 
similarities and also differences too so if this is something you guys are interested in talking more about please be able to reach out to the people on your screen we've got you there's a lot of people who can help in a lot of ways and i'm curious to know if you see yourself as one type of archetype would you guys recommend that you work with somebody else a coach a mentor somebody with a similar archetype or would you want to flip the switch and work with someone who maybe pushes some buttons to see where that could go? That is a very good question. And I find I quite often attract people who have similar archetypes to me because they they want that energy and they want to amplify it. Whereas I'm less likely to attract those who are a complete opposite because we just don't resonate at all. So that is one way, though, that you can take on some more of those helpful traits of the archetype that you want more of. So when I first took the money archetypes quiz and found out my results, I was a connector I've always been a connector, but my second one was the nurturer and then the accumulator. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I don't, I've got no idea. I'm, it's not helpful. So I actually asked a mentor, how do I like take on more of the ruler traits? Because those were the ones that I wanted to bring into my business and into my brand as more of the doer, the goal achiever. And she said, hang around with more rulers. So I started looking at the people that I was following and thought and started to recognize some of the traits. And I'm like, yeah, you're that's why I'm attracted to you because you've got the traits that I want more of. So hence why people attracted to to me, they want more fun and playfulness in their business. If you want more serious stuff, I'm not the person for you. There are, go find the serious people, the ones who are like the hustlers, the ones who talk about hustle culture. That's That's their thing. That's not me. So yeah, hang out with the people that you want to be more like. I remember when I was having my money story coming up and I was sent to people like Grant Cardone who I was like, whoa, this is a very different mindset to what I'm used to. Um, And it really pushed me and there was like I even invested in courses and there was things that I did with a variety of people just so that I could dive into that world and and figure out some of those things that I I yearned for. But I also had this like burning desire to run away into another room and escape from. (laughs) And I'm sure I'm not alone here. Um, When when I was trying to to build that momentum, the thing that got me was to make it fun. You know, my my notes look different to everybody else's. My notes were colourful and I had stick figures on them and and drawings and and it made sense to me and everyone else was this is a bit odd I've got a line down my page and I've written my notes here and I've ticked boxes here and I was like that's cool I want to have fun I'm trying to learn things I would highlight like I would put a moon on there for different things like a different uh, style eclipse would help Mm -hmm. me to understand when I went back like whoa this is some stuff that I Or, wow, I, I'm loving this. And those little kind of symbols along the way enabled me to have fun and to, to push aside my money stories. Mm-hmm. Have you guys got examples of how, you, how one can get over a money story? Yeah, there's a, a basic formula is um, to recognise it, that this is my money story and dive into the origins of it. So pretty much every time I come up against any kind of money block or it actually feels like almost anything, I can relate it back to when I was about six years old and some kid said to me, so I grew up in a relatively well-off family, entrepreneurial family, and this kid said to me, you Campbell kids get everything. You're so spoiled. And I went, 
No. Because to me, spoiled meant you threw tantrums and you were rude and obnoxious and just a, not a pleasant person to be around. And I don't think that was the intention, but that, that was the words that came out of their mouth. And so I took on this story that I don't need a lot, I just need enough so that people don't think I'm a terrible, horrible person. And guess what's dictated my life up until I recognised that story? I don't need a lot, I just need enough. So, yeah, money stories. And it comes out in so many different ways. Everybody has a story like that. And just when you can spot it coming through, it's like a light bulb moment, like, oh, there it is again. What? And then you can take steps to rewrite it and just and question it and say, okay, is this actually true? So is it really true that... What a question. I don't know. That, is it true that I don't need a lot, I just need enough? No. No, it's not. So I've had to rewrite that story and, and, and so that it's it's more like it's safe for me to shine bright it's safe for me to have more no matter how much i have and that doesn't make me or anyone else a greedy person but i think we all need to just feel this sense of safety that it's okay to have more of whatever it is more books more money more art supplies more friends more of everything whatever you want. Yes, and I 100% agree. And I'm just going to move us slightly to the side because you both have got children. Sarah is much younger. So you're 20-year-old. How? Because you're, you're either exactly like your parents or completely opposite. <laughs> so what stories did we, are you, is your son carrying? about money i like to think he's carrying some pretty positive ones because from they were probably so my kids are 20 and 22 and they it's probably a good 10 12 years ago that i started saying or shifting from we can't afford that to we don't have the money right now but how cool will it be when we do, when we can, and shift the conversation into right, like away from right now into expanding and using your imagination to think about how cool it's going to be when you can do that thing. And how can we get that? Oh, we need to save some money. Cool. Let's figure out how much we need to save and put aside so that then we can go and do the fun things that we want. And, yeah, it's it's been – I like to think they've got some pretty good money mindset. Little things come up every now and then, and I, I still pull them up because they live at home still. But, um, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. And I hear them saying it to their friends as well. They parrot it back, which is cool. And, and as a parent, I, that's really all you can hope for is the good things that you're trying to teach them is their parent and parenting and they're sharing with their friends because we can quickly see um, when they're not doing the good things and we've taught them you know to swear like a trucker and in the most inappropriate places and times um, yeah I was with some friends and he he was with his granddaughter and his mother was saying, Oh, my, my, my daughter doesn't swear. Well, when the daughter lets loose the, uh, uh, the beautiful epitaph of uh, swear words, and I'm like, can you put that together in a sentence? Well, apparently you can. And granddad is just like, crap, I know who taught that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kids parrot back what we say. So it's really important that we recognize 
the beliefs that we are reciting, the things that we have learnt through our childhood and, and through the years, what are we instilling in those kids? Let's change the narratives so that they grow up with a healthier relationship with money and so they don't feel like they have to go and get a degree or get into massive debt to do so, that they don't have to take on a job and just work at, you know, I don't think any of the Gen Zs are into working the next 40 years in the same job like our parents or grandparents might have, but let's not teach them that. It didn't work. So let's not try and reinforce it if it's not for them. I love that society, and you you mentioned it, I love that society has changed because it, it, when I was growing up, it was you got it, you, you had to go to university. If you didn't go to university, you were a failure. Now they're going, holy crap, we need the tradies. If we don't have the tradies, nothing gets built. And the tradies in Canada are making more money after mm -hmm. their little four, their four years of, uh, uh, or their four years of apprenticeship in Canada. They're making more, more money than the, the, the engineers and, and that as a starting wage. And it's like, okay, this is, mm -hmm. it's an interesting um, part of evolution of life. Yeah. It really is. So my my youngest son, we actually took him out of school. It's when curious too what, what we value, like how we how we rate people. Yeah, yeah. That's it's just go and do what makes you happy, and you can make money. And I'm like, as soon as I say that, I think, uh, oh, follow the passion blah, blah, blah. You can't always make money following your passion, but you can make money doing things that make you happy, that that are fun and enjoyable, and just go focus on that. Absolutely, because my first career as a male pole dancer just bottomed right out, didn't do anything. <laughs> Excellent. I can uh, now. Thanks for that image, Neil. Really, really appreciate that. <laughs> um, so back to. So what are some of the thoughts like, why do you think people let's go back to the beginning? Why do you think people aren't having as much fun as they could be in in their in their workplace or in their their jobs, in their in their businesses? And what could they do just to make some slight changes so that they could have more fun? Excellent question. I truly believe that we're people are too busy trying to serve everyone and nobody is listening. So what um, the saying is something like, if you're trying to serve everyone, you end up being heard by no one. So the best message you can put out into the world is one that's very specific. Um, like I can, I could say, I'm a business coach. I'm a business and money coach. We narrow the field by saying, I'm the fun business and money coach. That eliminates those people that want the stiff upper lip, um, old timey white dude, like old yep. school practices. We can narrow the field further by um, the people or the industry that you want to serve. So I recently niched down even further to be the business and money coach for coaches, consultants and digital creatives, meaning web designers, copywriters, those kind of people, because I love the creative people. I just... It's so much fun for me working with them. And you would think, and I think this is where a lot of people go wrong, you would think that you would be limiting your options by niching down like that and even further. 
but that's not the case because your message gets so crystal clear about who you are, what you do, and who it's for, that those people naturally come to you. You become the go-to person with the expertise that they specifically need, and it actually explodes your income and makes fun money. Yeah, and I don't know, most people could use some fun money in their life. Maybe mm -hmm. it's not everyone, but then they wouldn't be clients of, of yours if they didn't need to have more fun money in their life. Well, I don't think, yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> and what I mean by fun money is your take-home, it's not revenue, it's the take-home pay and profit. So I think everybody likes to talk about revenue figures but then you've got to pay the bills and do all the things. And if you're not actually taking home any money out of that at the end of the day, it's not that fun, is it? No, not that, no, 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 no. Nobody really likes, I don't think anyone really likes to work all day and then at the end of the day realize that they've done it for free again. Again, yeah. Which, coming back to those nurturers, that is something that nurturer money archetypes can end up doing because you've offered a discount before it's even been asked for or you've lowered your prices thinking nobody's going to pay that much, so I'll just whack it down a bit and, and then I'll offer a discount and, oh, whoops, resentment kicks in and it's not fun anymore. Ooh, so when resentment kicks in and you're in that situation, does that lead to like that lack of self-trust and, you know, not wanting to put out any more offers? Something yeah, else? it does. It does. And comparisonitis, which isn't, I mean, obviously it's not an actual condition, but it is, a, it's a thing. We compare ourselves to others. So when things don't feel good, we start to look around and go, oh, Sarah's over there. She's look what she's doing. Um, oh, how much is she charging? Oh, she's charging more than me. All right, maybe I better increase my prices and try and copy what she's doing. But that doesn't work because it's out of alignment with your brand voice, your personality. People can take your words and copy and paste them, but they will never match your personality. They can't, they can't match it. So it's, yeah, just we don't want to be working in resentment. It's not a fun place to be. So put those blinders on. Ignore what everyone else is doing and just do your thing that makes you happy, that you love to do. And it's also got to align with what people are willing to pay for. So there is a little sweet spot in the middle. Yep, no one can copy and paste your soul. That is exactly it, Deanna. I love that. Um, yeah, no one. So I, I love to say you're as unique as anything. Like nobody is you. And then people go, oh, well, what about doppelgangers? Yeah, well, we're all going to look kind of similar in some way, aren't we? But personality-wise, I'm a very different like personality archetypes, they say the same thing as other some of my clients, but we're still very different because we do different work. We some are introverts, some are extroverts. I'm kind of in the middle, depending on the day, and I always need to recharge my energy afterwards. But to look at me, I'm an extrovert. To to hear me. Um, interacting with people, you go, oh, dang, she's a total extrovert. No, I'm a bit of everything. So we really are unique and different, and let's just roll with that. Yeah. 
One of the things that I've noticed in my neurodiverse journey is that I have different rates of explosions in different areas. Like I will focus on one thing more so than another, sometimes because I want the variety, sometimes because I want the fun, sometimes because I'm like, no, head down, bum up, Sarah, this way. You've been doing too much fun. Now it's time to go in this direction, which is why I was asking before about the caveats. Yes. I'm wondering then with the boundaries that we all have, you know, is there such thing as having too much fun in business or not? I personally think there could be depending on what you do for business. And I feel like if you were to talk to maybe like a laughter yoga facilitator, they're going to say no, right? Yeah, they, I think you're right. <laughs> a different type of person, they're going to say, well, no, that we've got rules that we need to stick by and this is because of that reason. Um, I found in my neurodiverse journey that there are times where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm in creativity mode and it could be digitally. So I'll be focusing on maybe Canva or on a different um, on a different app that helps me to move my business forward in a creative way that stimulates a different part of my brain so that when I'm in a different part of my journey, I can focus on that and, again, uh, focus on my, on my moments of passion. So yeah. when you're focusing on our moments of passion, I find that we're being more authentic to ourselves. Do you guys find the same? Absolutely. Okay if you don't. I absolutely do. And that's part of boundaries as well. I think it's really important to recognize what mode, what phase are you in? Are you in the digital creative zone? Are you in the physical creative zone where you need to build a fairy bookcase library for your daughter? Um, and and set boundaries around that and go, yeah, this is where my brain is right now. And I I approve. I allow myself to do that because it's going to come back. You can't always be focused on the business side of things and making money because that's where you fall into scarcity and that's not a good place to be. Like, oh, I'm not doing the things that I should do. We've got to stop shooting ourselves and just allow the play and the fun to come through and then, yeah, sometimes you've got to give yourself a little kick in the pants and just go, oi, it's time to refocus here because if I don't do this thing, I need to, I'm, I'm not going to be making any money and I'm going to struggle to pay the bills next month. So there's got to be a bit of balance, but figuring out where that balance is, that's a very unique and individual thing. No one can tell you, don't be getting up at 5 a.m. if that's not for you. If you're a night owl, you do not need to get up at 5 a.m. to be successful. Just saying. Um, what an expert that you're three people. I'm going to say there's two out of three people. Go, Neil, go. An expert that sold like 10 million copies says otherwise. I know. <laughs> it's BS. <laughs> it's like when you ask you know, when, when people ask when is the best time to post on social media? There is no best time to post. It's all different. It's all relative depending on your audience. So you know, if I told you a time, well, I'd be telling you my best time. Yeah, and it's okay. But we're different. Celebrate your differences. Yeah. Facebook like to suggest times that I should post on my business page, but they also don't like when you put links in the captions. Or like. So if I have to post at 5 a.m. because that's when my audience is most active, how am I supposed to post a link in the comments? Because I'm asleep. I'm not doing that. It's got to work for you, whatever it is. <laughs> Somebody I know on this call made me, suggested that I track my, uh, how many followers I had on my, uh, on my Facebook for a whole week. Jeez, I don't know who would do that. It wasn't me. This guy. <laughs> I'm not that into data. 
that I would be wanting to track that. <laughs> and I, well, I find it actually really quite interesting because there's people, there's, there's, um, there's that need to know like when is the best time to post. And then, you know, when you sort of put that out of your brain, you're able to focus on more important things and get rid of the shoulds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you mentioned before. So as Neil mentioned, if, if you guys want, I've got a PDF that I'm more than happy to share with you that'll help you track your times. I'm not a numbers person. However, I did find that when I was literally, I'd just go to go live and then look at how many people were on Facebook at that particular time, it enabled me to go, oh, actually, there are a lot of other creatives up here at 3 a.m. too, or you know, there's not many creatives working online at maybe 7 30 a.m when i'm getting my daughter ready for school so it helped me yeah. to figure out what type of post to post and when so if i'm going to do a bit more creative real i'm more likely to post it on a friday night when my coach says don't post on fridays at all it won't get seen but, be, but that's when your be, people be, are there yes so be you be authentically you Fuck the rest do you yeah. <laughs> Do what works for you and you're going to have a whole lot more fun around this thing. Instead of it feeling like a chore, that's where we need to be. That's the ma that's the secret sauce. That's it. <laughs> Sarah, I was supposed yeah? to say, ask you about this a little earlier on, but I, I messed up. Would you care to explain a oh, little more about this? <laughs> Oh, three questions to ask before you post. I think quite often in the world of shoulds, as as coaches and facilitators and practitioners, you know, we've we've healed. We're wanting to share our stuff with others, but we can be a bit like, oh, how do I, I've got so much to share? I don't know what to share. I'm just going to put it all out there. So when we actually ask ourselves a few questions beforehand, it can make life so much easier. And it does back onto things like we've been talking about previously about brand archetypes and all that sort of stuff. But I'm curious to know, guys, when you go to post, what is the outcome that you want for your post? I don't know. It could be one of the questions in there. Maybe just maybe you'll have to reach out and ask me for it. I'm more than happy to share the PDF with you. Again, I like to have fun in quirky ways. So there'll be ways that we use our logical brain. There'll be ways that you can use your creative brain. I'll leave it up to you to decide which you think you'll get from me. And I look forward to hearing your response because we're all different. So enhance your differences, be unique, and ask yourself deep questions that will really serve others. So, yeah, just reach out. You know how to find me, facebook.com, Sarah Wade, forward slash art heels. <laughs> Love it. Ooh, Neil. I was digging through the archives and things that I have created. I've created hundreds of ebooks and I've created my friend and I created this I am um audio program. It's just an hour long theta delta waves, all of the goodness packed into an hour worth of I am statements to put you to sleep, let you go to bed. So please, if you download this, don't listen to it while you're driving or operating heavy machinery. Let it be the last thing that you hear at night and just let the, the magic of I am statements take you to sleep. Any last thoughts, Deirdre? Take the quiz. Find out what your money archetypes are so that you can start to understand why you spend, save, or, in, or invest. In some cases, there is no investing and no saving. Why do you do things the way you do when it comes to money? And it will answer a lot of questions that you have about that side of things. Um, yeah, take the quiz. That's yes, it. take the quiz. And as we uh, wrap the show up today, I just would like to leave you with a, a thought, whether you're listening to it in live or replay. Remember, you are worthy of all your dreams and you are worthy 
of financial abundance and especially having fun. So I encourage you, find the fun in whatever it is you're doing and live your life to the fullest, to the best of your ability. And with that, Deirdre, would you like to leave our viewers and audience with the last minute? A last word. Probably the most impactful thing I could leave you with is it's safe for me to have more money, more fun, more of everything. And just, it's it's kind of like your, your I am statements. It's safe for me to fill in the blank. Whatever it is that you want, it's safe for you to do it. And then just go do it. Thank you. I love that. Approve and um, give yourself permission to have fun, highly. I think also I want to add to that, like if you're having money problems, do yourself a favor and go to like a $2 shop or something like that. You've got these things like you've got notes on the back of them. Use them. <laughs> Write yourself amazing notes. Yeah. Like you can do all sorts of things with these and put them in the forefront of your mind. So maybe, just maybe, giving away things isn't going to be what you keep doing. <laughs> Until we speak next time on Uplift or in between, we trust this has been a beautiful experience for you all. We appreciate you joining in your comments and we'll see you next time. Take care and design like you deserve. You're worth it. See you.